Hey, this is Daryl Strawberry, and you listen to the Daniel Baldwin Show. What can I say about my brother Daniel that hasn't already been said dozens of times in police reports? Jim Kelly, you're listening to Daniel Baldwin Show on ESPN Radio. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show. Special treat in Chinese. Wow. Need a translation on that. Yeah, baby. In honor of the closed Olympics, thank God it's over. So happy to be here on the big show. Uh, and welcome. That we have a crowded. It was, it, was, it was all kinds of ways incorrect. It was all kinds of ways incorrect. It was but a it, lot wrong but with that. But, there, but, but, there, but there's, there's a certain thing that happens when you let that go. And I just feel better. It's fine. I feel better. It's, it's cathartic. Premature emaculation. Wow. You like it? I like it. We got Paulie the Mole with me, Joshy Josh, and the incomparable Sam Fordhead. <laughs> Big Sam the Man, Daily and, Orange. And, 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 and a special treat that we're going to open the show up with. We've got Joe Salzone, who is, please introduce yourself in the... What here, Joe, you can come over here. Yeah, take, don't take the host mic. Hello, Daniel. Good to see you again. <laughs> now, now, Josh, want to set this up? Uh, yesterday, we talked about Joe... And his one many of his part-time jobs uh, when he's not stripping, he is a <laughs> man. Uh, he is a PA announcer for the Auburn Double Days, and we started asking, "What does that sound like? What does Joe Salzone as a PA burr. announcer sound?" Burr. Oh. Mm. No, buddy. <laughs> a first question is how does the audience stay awake? There, there and is, second, uh, <laughs> there is an essence of it that does remind me of Ted Knight in the Mary Tyler Moore show. <laughs> you know, he does. He has yeah. a little bit of the Ted Knight. Yeah. Should we switch his nickname to Ted? Ted, big Ted. <laughs> we got to get that. We have to upload that today. We got to get a good Ted Knight. <laughs> we got to get that. All right, so so Joe, take us through a, a stereotype typical couple of lines. You're at the game and there's a fender bender or lights left on out in the parking lot. Tell, <laughs> tell, 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 us, tell, tell us what exactly you do. Alright, so I guess it would be something like uh, uh, now batting for the Auburn Double Days, number one, Polly the Mole Sabilia. Wow. Oh, so you're doing, you're doing the whole thing, huh? You're, yeah. You're elongating yeah. words. About, wow. I like it. Yeah. Do you do like home run calls and stuff? No. So you don't do play-by-play? Play. No, that's the, yeah. That's You're a the setup guy. guy. Correct. All right, now uh, Auburn Double Days have now scored five runs, so it's free tacos. At- <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. Anything, did you have to do reads like that? Yes. The free taco uh, night. Right, so that's go ahead. This one goes out right. to Betsy in row nine. <laughs> <laughs> all right, it would be something like, uh, all right, fans, here at Falcon Park, if the Auburn Double Days get this home run, everyone in attendance gets a free taco. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. And what's what's the uh, 600 is still the record attendance at this? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Stadium that holds 90,000. <laughs> Why do I have essence of what was the movie Charlie Sheen did, Major League? Yeah, Major and League. There's just all those those Indian guys in, yeah, the, yeah, in the black yeah, yeah. area, no one else. Yeah, in this no game. one else. This, uh, is, this is honestly the most energetic I've ever seen you doing this job. You know Joe what? Sosa. No, no, no. The first day we did the morning show on Monday. Mm-hmm. Really? I, I, I've never seen this guy. He came, he was laughing. He was making jokes on air. But then he comes in today, <laughs> like a terrible mood. Till Jacqueline showed up with uh, like an egg sandwich for him, and yeah. he, he, he came back a little. Yeah, look at him. Food he will came, get him in a good mood. He can't be. It is. It's a motivational thing. I'm bringing food. He's like a golden retriever. How do you like uh, the ambient baseball noise? Just playing it all time. I like <laughs> it. You know what? I like the, it. It the, sounds like we're on location. Jo- uh, Josh and I met Joe at. 
in Auburn Double Day's game. He invited uh, us out to throw out the first pitch. We get out on the mound. He does not acknowledge me <laughs> whatsoever. So he's like, Josh Grossman, yeah, just throwing out the first pitch. And I was yeah. at that time a member of the show. So yeah. I was just like some stupid midget yeah. standing on the mound next to him for and no I reason. Nailed it. I nailed it, by the way. He did. Did awesome. you fire a strike? Yeah. Yeah. From the mound? Yes. Yeah. Well, I wonder if there's got to be footage of that somewhere. There's, like, there's got to be footage. Yeah, what was the you heat? You pump it in? Did you, I mean, were you laying up the, uh, <laughs> what was that guy's name from the Yankees? Uh, Ethos. Yeah, yeah. The, the Ethos pitch, he lobbed it up. Like, it was, like 18 feet up like a softball and cut the back shoulder and they're calling it a strike. It was the biggest joke. No, but it was just like, Joe said, here's Josh. And I was like, okay, thanks for inviting me. Oh, you, you got it on tape? Right there. This oh, is I want to tell. Here it is. He's walking out. There's nine cars in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> you can see, look at the stands. It's yeah. great. It's great. There's the, the right <laughs> field section has eight. The bleacher like creatures are look, literally insects. Look at this. The fans are going wild. I'm going to do the play by play. <laughs> Out there right now, Polly the Mole pointing, giving to Joe's giving direction. He's going to the hill. Oh, you threw from the grass, you liar. Oh, I did. Sorry. You look at it. He lied. I knew he didn't throw a ball. And he threw a one hopper. It was not. I got that over the plate. Did no, I? it was a one hopper. It was, dude. It was? Yeah, you one hopped it. Well, listen, Let's I remember things. Isn't this amazing? How you remember it? Get Let's the take audio another look. Let's yeah. take another look. That's me. I walk out to the. I, I did. Here it is. Here's the announcement. Listen, to, this is amazing. <laughs> Three <Wow>. people. <laughs> not quite how you remembered it, huh? There's. Is it was Yankee you? Stadium. Joe Sozo right there. That's him. Joe Sozo. In the black pitch. shirt. So you're on the grass. Yeah. Ready to watch the ball. I'll tweet Ready? this out for watch you guys. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Here goes he winds up. In the dirt. And one hops. That was good. That was clean. That was over the plate. He did. You know what? It clearly one hopped right over the plate. <laughs> no, in, in 10 years, that's like 85 on the outside corner. <laughs> Thank <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Thank and you. So they brought up Dave Kingman just to see what he could do against my stuff. Cut <laughs> the catcher's glove right off. Yeah. <laughs> the, catch, the catcher spent there going, oh, Jesus. He's getting, he's getting dingo to the first pick. He didn't have his full pads. Hey, and he's I, like, really? In those situations, I always think that they get the janitor or the groundskeeper to put the catcher's stuff out of or the best was when the team was out there and they yanked you off the field because you were the other guy that was going to pitch and oh, so you're yeah. warming up with Squiggy with the catcher's glove <laughs> yeah, on right, and right. the mask like bigger than his whole head <laughs> and you're just throwing BBs at the kid he's closing his eyes against <laughs> God, used to, or that or I turn around and I, when I played in the infield I played third base for a while in high school and so when I catch the ball I had this first baseman I didn't like him his name was Bones and so when I grab if it was a rock his name was Bones his name was Bones so I <laughs> If I got a one hopper that came to me quick, I'd coil up and I'd throw him a knuckleball to first base, and the ball would come in. You see him go, oh shh, and he'd be and we'd go, <laughs> and he looked like an idiot, like he couldn't catch. Mm -hmm. And suddenly his glove comes and he drop it. I let the guy get on base. I didn't care just to watch because it would look like it was an error on him. And I would whip knuckleballs at him. It was so I'd, great. I've been knocked out once in my life, and it was at a little league baseball game. <laughs> <laughs> you, got, you got fresh with someone's mom. What happened? No, I was. I was standing on the edge of the dugout, and my buddy is in the on-deck circle swinging the bat backwards with a donut on it, and the donut went shooting off the short end of the, the, the thin end of the bat and drilled me right in the face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be terrifying. Uh, it's I just tweeted that video out for you. K-Rock Josh on Twitter if you want to go watch that Oh, video. I want to see that. So I got to, first of all, was he not allowed on the mound? Because a lot of times they don't want the guy to be on the mound. Or did he just decide to throw from the grass? Yeah, that's that's what that's the ticket. I wasn't allowed on the mound. Yeah, you still didn't reach it. I didn't want to uh, mess up the pitcher's mound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> he had his spikes on. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see? He had like a pair of Vans on, khaki shorts. That's it, man.
It was beautiful. You that's were how, very That's how relaxed. amazing of an athlete I am. I don't need to put on a, you are, a uniform. You know, I can't wait to play basketball with you guys now. <laughs> I can't wait to. I can't wait for the story. By the time we get to, we'll play on Sunday. By the time it becomes Wednesday, Josh scored eighty-five. Exactly. Oh, dumped on me. Double you know? double. Yeah, that was exactly. awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> beautiful. Joe, when's when's the season start? I gotta get out there and watch us. Uh, June. July? No, no, in like 30 days it starts, Joe. <laughs> yeah, you should know about? that. It's got to start in baseball yeah. soon. No, no double no. A starts later. Oh, it does? Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. You're wrong, stupid <laughs> idiot. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, you feel that number four bus go by the cell? Because Josh just threw cell zone under it hard. <laughs> that was terrible. You know, there's lots to talk about in sports, and in segment two, we have not, we've just disintegrated segment one on worthless nothing. What? No, um, that was everything. Can I, can I, as the boss, do something? Joe, why don't you uh, send us to break as the PA announcer? Are we going to break now? <laughs> yeah, might as we'll well. come back and reset All right. this. All right, so, Joe, so, so. <laughs> just so you know, Joe, the first game is June 15th against Batavia. <laughs> Well, that's you know, a, those hard hitters of Batavia, yeah, they're that, coming to town. And that's, and that's a big travel, too, you know? Coming down from Batavia. That's a home game, they, too. They got they to they they fire up the Learjet with a half a, with a, half a gallon of gas. What are, what are these, all prison cities? <laughs> yeah, totally. Batavia versus Auburn. Yeah, the, pr- the, pr- the mean machines coming we got, down. Rankers Island will be in next weekend. We've got Batavia. We've got Williamsport. We've got... Uh, Mohong Valley. I don't Mohawk. Even know. Mohawk. No, not Mohawk. It's like Mahoning. Where is that? Mohong. It's in Ohio. All right. <laughs> Mohong Valley. <laughs> Mohong Valley is a gay porn league. <laughs> All right, Joe. Go ahead. Take us a break. Take us a break. All right, fans. As we get ready for a break on the uh, Daniel Baldwin show, let's hear it for Daniel Baldwin. Yeah. The crowd goes wild. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show, presented by Del Lago Resort and Casino. Hey now! I was anticipating the point. Uh, so well, we're going to go right into a round of sell with them. We're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit about basketball and what's happening with uh, SU. Watching all these videos, I'm excited about baseball season. the big screen. I'm excited about baseball season. You know what season. I did? I ordered like seven different online uh, baseball jerseys to wear during baseball season. Ooh. I'm getting ready. Well, like, what's, the, what's the best one? Uh, I ordered all old, authentic Negro League, uh, mm. so, so throwback stuff. I got one jersey from the 40s. I went, I like so I, went, I spent a bunch of money to, to have cool stuff to wear. <laughs> That's that sounds good. Oh yeah, yeah. I got and I and I got a a, a one Hobbs Knights jersey too. Oh, oh no, nice. yeah, the natural Hobbs, 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 Hobbs. Did you give me a Tony Gwynn jersey like I asked? <laughs> I actually might have a surprise for you. All right. Oh, I might, I might have a surprise for you. Very I might nice. even have Tony sign it for you. Oh, I'm gonna, that would be impressive. <laughs> <laughs> would you rather have a Tony Gwynn jersey to wear or a Tony Gwynn jersey? I don't wear sign? jerseys. I mean, you can get in an argument about this some other time that adults shouldn't wear jerseys. But we'll have that uh, discussion. Uh, I, off. That's not that's that's a, that's a, that's what, what, what That was yeah. a straight bitch slap. Is what that was. I'm wearing a soccer jersey. Daniel, right can now. I tell you that he ended? the most successful relationship he's ever had because a woman bought him a jersey for Christmas. <laughs> she bought him a Pittsburgh Steelers jersey with he, Sibilia on the back, and shortly after that, he ended it. And he stopped sleeping with his sister? That's <laughs> <laughs> terrible. Best woman he's ever been with his, in his life. And what he size? Medium? 
<laughs> medium. Child husky. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to Savant. The Major League Baseball Players Association has filed the grievance against the Marlins, Athletics, Pirates, and Rays, accusing them of failing to appropriately spend revenue-sharing money. Baseball's labor, labor agreement says each club should make an effort to improve its performance on the field. So what? Yeah, so what? I don't know. I, I was I was in Miami for the Syracuse Miami game. People were pretty mad about Derek Jeter kind of selling off that team. I don't think it's so what. Really? Yeah, people people are mad. You got to hold their feet to the fire. You can't have teams just taking checks and not putting a good team out there. Why did he? Why did he Who go to that cares? team in the first place? What What was the draw? They were for sale. They yeah, were they were for sale. sale. It's just like that's like team he has up. no. And now he's just like piecemealing it off and well, whatever. Oh yeah, they had a bad contract there, and they don't have a lot of talent, so he had to do it, mm. but. They had the best player in baseball Cares. also. Cares. You guys just were talking about how excited you were about baseball. I kind of bring up the fact that five teams are in trouble. And yeah. Man, who cares? I mean, when you bring it up, it kind of kind of kills my flow. You kind of devalued it. <laughs> <laughs> Made you flaccid. Did, did I, I was all excited nothing, for baseball. No, nothing's working anymore. <laughs> Virginia Tech coach Buzz Williams had to grab the microphone and admonish the school's fans for swearing with three minutes and three seconds left in the Hokies 64-63 victory over number 5 Duke last night. So the crowd was cussing. And he had to tell him to stop a cussing. Somebody can get teed up for that, can't they? If the crowd's out of control, I think they can. Yeah, yeah. I think they, they can. can. I think they get. I think they. I can, wonder, like, who the def- coach would get? Te- who gets teed up? The for team. That? I think the, the team. team gets yeah, teed it's up. a team tech. So if you're only allowed two technical fouls and the team gets one, does that mean if an individual gets a second, he's out? Well, no, the individual's got to get two. Yeah, the individual has to get two. Okay. Well, so, uh, my, so, I, so, so now I change it to so what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I I get why they do that because I've I've heard stories of like. Fans getting too rowdy, then the team gets a technical, and then and I don't know that ruins the game. But. I've seen stuff when they're uh, in football too, when they're on the field. I wonder what the fans were saying. I wonder what the buzzwords were. At Virginia yeah, because every every school chants <laughs> BS. At, like if they don't like a foul call, I mean, what could they, what do they have to be saying? I, my buzzwords joke just went over. The, you know, I I, uh, I got it. We're just we're trying uh, to rescue you from. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and finally, a cracked teapot in South Carolina. Was found for twenty dollars at a garage sale and just sold at auction for eight hundred and six thousand dollars. Never, never me, man. Read that one again. A cracked teapot was found in South Carolina, made before the Revolutionary War. Bought at a garage sale for twenty bucks, sold at auction for eight hundred and six thousand dollars. I'm never that guy. I saw I saw a documentary come across the other night about this truck driver who bought a Jackson Pollock. At a thrift store, and she didn't know what it was, and it sold for like hundreds of millions of dollars, something astronomical. Okay, so how like that. how would you like to be the guy? Now imagine you've pulled off like a really great crime, okay, and you're yeah. stashing this super expensive painting, mm-hmm. and you've stashed the painting successfully. Now you send the boys to go get it. I can't find it, but it's, it was like a, a Degas down in uh, so so it was stolen in Paris. Mm-hmm. And it's been missing, and its estimated value is between eight hundred low and and one point five million dollars. So I guess the guys might have actually been on the bus because the bus pulls over into like some custom stop, or whatever, and they empty the bus and they go up into the the luggage hold right in the bus, like above your seat, and they pull out this missing painting that's like not covered by anything, just sitting on top of the luggage. And the cop looked at it and was like, "That's kind of weird. It's not covered. It's on." And they looked at it for a minute, and they had someone come in. They're like. 
you know, um, that could be, and sure, and sure enough, it's the painting, and and that's, oh. and they just left it on a bus. That's crazy. Well, yeah, why that's, don't I have that day? Why don't I get another one of these things flashed up about the uh, the the uh, Declaration of Independence being found behind a uh, behind a, uh, some guy did it very sure. famously. He bought a painting at a garage sale for five dollars. He eventually got sued back by the people saying we didn't realize it was in there, and the court upheld. No, it's you sold the painting. Anything that was in it, it says, and it was twenty five, I think, million dollars. You yeah. sold it for one of the twelve original copies. Well, another one of these has been found in the wall of a house. That someone bought, and I think they were taking out or putting in new sheetrock, whatever, and they're like, hey, yeah. what's that? And there's an actual sign by Alexander Hamilton, all of them, uh, Declaration of Independence. Paulie and I always get obsessed with this, with that uh, Antiques Roadshow and the woman who had like a Navajo blanket on her couch. And it ended up being worth like millions of dollars. See now, I I own a house that was built, and I know some I know something's there because I've had two people in the last three months knock on my door and go, "Hey, we're from blah blah. We bring in the big electronic metal detectors and we comb your lawn, and we'll give you a percentage." I went. You're going to give me a percentage of what? I go, it's on my property. It's mine. Isn't it I give you a small percentage yeah. if you find it? And then I thought about, you know, if they find anything, they're never going to tell me they found Dude, it. Dude, it's Curse so, of Oak Island on Baldwin's land. It, it, it <laughs> is. We're digging. It is. So he, no, he went to the house next door, which one house down, it was also early 1800s, yeah. and they found all kinds of coins. Because think about it. You're walking along. It's hundreds of years. Stuff has been dropped on the lawn that's sure. now seven inches below there. And so I went I went to National Geographic and I bought one of those pretty good metal detectors. Everywhere I walk on the lawn. Beep, 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 beep. Do you have a dog yet? No, I, no, I just I want to tease it. I want to tease it. Can we because, come over with you? I'm really into treasure hunting, Daniel. No, I see, really want to find something. Well, well, well you want to find something then on Oneida Lake... No one knows where it is. No one mm -hmm. has mapped the route. But supposedly some French aristocrat went out there and he had um, these two small uh, uh, like lock boxes mm -hmm. of, of buttons that would go on like, like you know, imperial yeah. coats, but they were solid gold. And so the fiance that was there on the boat with them, he was showing, the, the, uh, showing off to the other chicks that were on the boat and she walked over and threw both of them overboard. Their estimated value was like $19 million or something based oh. on what their value was then. So there's been a, a number of people that have looked around trying to find them and everything using, because you know, they have advanced technology now with metal detection, but this is hundreds of years ago that these were in the 1700s that, it, that this supposedly occurred. No one's been able to find them yet. There was a story that came through tying baseball back into this. Uh, maybe you remember this story, Polly. Brent X was telling me about it. For some reason, Deion Sanders came through and played. Oh, yeah, he lost his earring. At Deion Sanders came through and played. What was MacArthur Stadium then? It's MBT Bank Stadium now. He came through Syracuse and played there, lost one of his big diamond earrings in the dirt somewhere, yeah, was, and nobody ever found it. It was when it was PNC. Quote, unquote, nobody yeah, ever found no it. Yeah, no one ever found it. So either a groundskeeper right. bought a boat that winter. Me <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Emmanuel showed up with a new Harley exactly. when he was sweeping the corridor. Exactly. Joe Salzone, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Yeah. yeah, there was a diamond among men. But I'm with you, man. I don't ever find anything. It's on your land that you're you're sitting on something. I right had now. one good one. It wasn't a fine. Well, I guess it, 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 to some extent it was a fine. We had a thing when I was kids that were very common, and it was called a box sale. Or, or and this occurred in when you when someone usually died in your family. It was a, the equivalent of an attic sale. So you'd go up into the attic, and what you did was you the boxes were all the same size, and you put a variety of items in them, but you weren't allowed to touch the box. So they try to put something that was relatively attractive on the top of the box. 
and the box's top was left open. The rest of it was taped yeah. closed. So you looked inside of it, and you'd see a, a weird figurine of some kind or a, a fancy china dish, and then you'd start to, you weren't allowed to touch anything in it. So they they tease things, so you see lace doilies mm-hmm. or a table mm-hmm. cover, and you go, well, that's what, and each box is the same amount of money. There's no variation in it. So at 20 a box, you look, well, at the top of the box, I was, I was in Maine, and I'm driving with some friends. I was only like... Um, I think I was in 10th grade in high school. And so we stopped off at this box sale because we saw the big sign mm-hmm. and they're always exciting to go to. And you know, you're looking for records, you're looking for yeah. stuff you're gonna get for 10 bucks. And so we, I looked at this box and the very top of the box was what looked to be the size of like a miniature coffin. And and the reason why I chose this box, even though my other friend said, no, this had something electronic in it on the top. I went, no, look at the, you know the, uh, like the swivel clasp that you use to close something? So it's a pin that's sticking out and you swivel a clasp onto it that grabs it. Oh, and, sure, sure. I know what you're so, talking about, yeah. So those, and, the, and it was brass. So I knew this little box on the top, whatever was inside it, was very old. Mm-hmm. So all I said to Lee was, can you just tell me if that box is empty or something's in it? And she goes, yes, I can tell you there's something in it. And I went, great, I want that box. None of my friends wanted it. They want the box that had like, you know, the eight track player and something sure, else. Sure, sure. And I said, fine, I'll buy that box. And I paid 20 bucks for the box. Inside, as soon as I bought it, I opened up this thing. There was some other cool stuff in there, but this was a 175 year old microscope. And it was tiny, and it was made of brass. And back then, you couldn't screw the the, the aperture to go up and down to yeah. focus. You had to actually, it was on a special kind of paper, and you turned it in your hand and slid it down manually. Oh, wow. It had three screw-on lenses, wow. and the three flies that were trapped in glass wings were all written in French. <gasps> so... I what? said, okay, score. There's, you know, the, right. I grab something that's worth more than the 10 bucks, and then the rest of the stuff that was in there. So I get home. My father's a school teacher. I'm in 10th grade in biology, and I take the thing into my, we're using microscopes in mm-hmm. biology. I take it into Mr. Gecker, my teacher, and looked at it, and he went, where did you get that? And I said, oh, I bought it. And he goes, Daniel, that's very, very old. He goes, that's like one of the original microscopes that they ever would have used in the United States. He said, and it probably was made in France, judging by the French. I take it in. My father brings me into the Smithsonian. Now, I'm in 10th grade in high school. This is 1975. And they offer me $5,000 for it immediately. The Smithsonian said, we want it. We want it. Absolutely want it. So I'm looking at it, and, and, and I'm thinking... Crap! My father immediately goes, "Okay, thank you very much." I'm like, "Dad, five thousand dollars? I bought it." And so he goes, "You're not selling that for five thousand dollars right now." He goes, "If it's worth five thousand now, and you, you only paid twenty bucks for it, or whatever I paid for it." He so he told me to hold on to. It. I eventually sold it years later for almost twenty thousand. Whoa! Yeah, but that's that's my big fine story. That's cool, dude. Yeah, I need to start doing that to pay off student loans. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> I found two hundred bucks once. <laughs> yeah, but dead bodies don't count. <laughs> laying, laying on the floor. We watch a lot of them. Just found figures. it laying on the floor. Yeah. Where were you? Like at a crack a house? Or company or? in San Diego. I found it on the floor. My mom maybe turned it in. Oh. oh no, mom. but they said. It yeah. They, and then it came back to me two months later, and I bought and a. Nobody found it. I bought right. a Radio Shack computer that went out of date in a week. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So they actually called you up and told you? Yeah. That, that nobody you... claimed it. So I got to keep the two hundred bucks, and I went to Radio Shack. And, and how old were you? Ten, eleven. Oh, yeah, five years later, that money never would have been turned in. Yeah. <laughs> no. The mall would have been clubbing it for yeah. like... <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to break and finally get around to basketball with the incomparable Sam Forte. 
Did you miss In the Booth with Matt Park? Coming off this uh, tobacco road swing where the Orange had losses to uh, North Carolina and Duke. A close loss at home to a Carolina team that at that point had won six in a row and a not-so-close loss at Duke. Duke is the bar in terms of talent, maybe in all of college basketball, and I left with the impression, how have they lost five games? In the Booth, two to three weekdays. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 a.m. and 1440 a.m. The home of Mets baseball, ESPN 97.7, 100.1, 1200 a.m. and 1440 a.m. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show, presented by Del Lago Resort and Casino. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I premature screamulation. <laughs> yeah, so, so let's go I. right into basketball. Let me tell you really quick. So I, I had, uh, I did, I'm substituting right now for uh, Gomez and Lisa on the Gomez and Lisa show. And so as uh, tradition states, we have Jim Beheim on. Um, we had Coach Beheim on, and we talked a little bit about, you know, it's hard when you're when you're me and you're talking to the coach. I've known the coach for a long, long time, and I have nothing but respect for him. But to be on it from a, almost a, a journalist and 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 uh, um, a professional side, not just like, "Hey, coach, how you doing? Hey, Jim, what's happening?" But now I'm you know I'm servicing a a sporting show, uh, and so I'm more of an analyst. So it, it puts me in a kind of a weird position. You know, I think most people usually come in as an analyst and then they become friends through the years that mm. they work with the person. I'm somebody who's not like, you know, Coach Baham and I are hanging out all the time either, you know, but there's a mutual respect for our families and certainly his wife and their foundation, the great things that they've been able to do over the years. I mean, they really do. They're they're infused into this community and, and have been a huge lifeline to helping a lot of people here. So for that, I admire him tremendously, along with his, his tremendous accolades as a coach and uh, you know he is Syracuse you know sports period um, with all that said uh, it still thrusts me in the position of going you don't beat Boston College and you're done you know I mean so how do you say that in a nice way must win coming up coach you know blah blah but we identified this I think in this room the four of us all the way back to going into Miami when we looked at what was the reality of what it would take to get into the NCAA tournament and who it was. So Miami it had to start in Miami, and they and they pulled that off, which gave us a little more hope. They put us in a position of a team that had recently been in the top 25 and had slid out just a little bit, but so they win that game, and it was a road win. Uh, you know, add Louisville to that as one, and, and, and Buffalo as their two supposed quality wins. They're still missing that win, that win against somebody that really matters. Um, I didn't think they really were going to beat North Carolina. I think they should have beat North Carolina State. Uh, so going into North Carolina, we knew we had North Carolina, we had Duke, and we had Clemson. Now we're down to you have to still beat Boston College, as we said. And I have always said, and I'm going to, after this long dissertation, I'm going to lob this over to Sam to say, I still believe if we beat BC and we beat Clemson, we're going to the tournament on just those two, no matter what we do in the ACC. Now, I've been told by Matt Park, I don't think so. I think we have to win the first game in the ACC, too, just to get in. What's your take on it, Sam? What's it take to get into the tournament right now? It would take a win at Boston College. And I think it would take a win either at Clemson or against Clemson or in the first round of the ACC tournament. I think they need two wins in the next three games, and but Boston College on the road has to be one of them. Well, okay, so so to given we say that they have to beat BC. I'll tell you one thing: I'm not because of where Clemson is ranked. 
I give great, much more value to a win because let's face it, if they play Pitt in the first round or they play some impressive win, right? right. That's right. not that's not going to be enough beating BC and them. They'd have to win if they don't beat Clemson. I think they have to win two games Easy. in the ACC to, to get in, and it depends on who they play there too. If they went Wake Forest, Pitt in the ACC, that's not going to be enough to get them in. I don't think they've got to beat somebody with a has a resume. They got to. I think the easiest route is still there. Everybody's like, oh, we've got to win these two games. The easiest route to do it is what everybody said going into these games. They probably won't beat North Carolina. They probably won't beat Duke. you got to beat BC and Clemson. Right. That's still in front of them. And they can beat anybody in the ACC if they're playing well. Well, you have more experience than the three of us in this room making these types of uh, um, um, prognostications. And so I'll ask you. Do you think that if they beat BC and they beat Clemson, they have to win a game in the ACC? Isn't that going to be enough to get them in, beating Clemson and BC? I think they get in. Uh, that's just me. I'm not an expert on it. I think that's enough to get them in this year. But if you go into the ACC and you lose to a Wake Forest or a Pittsburgh, that's going to be the last thing that the committee sees from you, and that's not going to help you much. Right. I think that leaves them exposed. If they can get to 20 wins and you finish 500 in the ACC, that's a that's a solid resume, especially in a conference as tough as this. The one thing you leave yourself open to if you go into the ACC tournament and you lose to Wake Forest, and to be fair, it, it's tough to beat a team three times in one season. But if you if Syracuse loses in the first round of the ACC tournament, then you, you know, your, your resume is kind of, you know, it's solid. But Let's say another bubble team makes a big run, makes a big push in their conference tournament, makes it the semifinal, maybe even the final. That's the last thing the the tournament selection committee is going to see, and I think that definitely gives another team a leg out. Well, the big thing I think about that that's missing from the resume, um, you know, is that giant killer. You know, I mean, so if you're right, if you know Charleston comes in and beats somebody who's a number one seed. You know, that's a, that goes a big way because when you're on the road in a neutral site, you know, you can explain why. That's why Louisville was so important to us. That's why Miami is so important to us because we won them on the road. So, ergo, really, you're not going to say you had home court advantage. And that plays into the theory of when you go into the tournament, are you a team that can win away from your fans? Because everyone's away from their fans. So that's exciting to know that your guys can collect it, bring it together, and win on the road. Even if it's a neutral site, you're still on the road. And that's part of a big thing about March Madness. You know, They're all on the road. So that, that's pretty exciting that you, you can show you can do that. If you're up against like a St. Bonaventure or a Baylor and they, show, they really show up in the ACC tournament, do they then get kind of the preferential treatment over us going into it? I, I would say that if, if one of those teams were to make a run and you're not already in, even a you know a, a smaller market team maybe I think I think that that team that just made some noise because Syracuse has proved this season they can hang around with the big mm-hmm. teams I was at Cameron Indoor and they hung around for thirty minutes probably mm-hmm. uh, in Syracuse obviously against North Carolina they tied the game with three minutes to go and then didn't score again they've proven that they can hang around but they haven't proven they can win that big game and so I think that 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 might hurt well and this and this goes back to. You know, ten games. You know, in, in the in the out of conference, and we have a nice run with it. We take care of those teams that we we know we have to. Uh, we have a a couple of closer games than I think we should have, but we did. We we came in what nine ten. You know, I mean, we we had uh, we beat everybody we were supposed to beat. But I said something early when it was just you and I uh, in the studio, Josh, and I said they don't have that that thing where they just put their foot down on their throat mm-hmm. when they're up by 7-8. You know what I mean? You don't see them go up by 25, you know, and just really 
the kill button. You yeah. Know? yeah, they don't so, score twenty five. That's the, the problem. The, the only the only team they did that against this whole year was Boston College at home. But the only reason they did that is because they shot the lights out. They, I mean. They could not miss in that game. That's the only time we've seen them do that this season. Yeah, it's been feast or famine from shooting. You know, and, and speaking with Coach a couple of interviews ago, and he and I said it's got to be really frustrating because the defense has been really, really good. One of the best in the ACC. One of the best in the country as far as you know that that amazing Bayheim zone. They squeeze you. Um, we have had two problems. Number one, defending a well ball moved three point shot. You know, so for teams that can snap those three quick passes as the zone continues to shift and then they reverse the ball, you suddenly get a guy who's got a real clean look and they happen to be knocking him down against us all year long. You know, if guys have, we have been terrible against the three pointer and also, man, our shooting. You know, besides that BC game where we went from, you know, I think at one point we had like a four game stretch where we shot under 20%. It was like, it was like 17.5% against one team. It was, it was just ugly, ugly. You know, and I spoke to the coach. I said, Coach, when you're having shooting slumps this bad, I mean, you know, three games in a row under 30%, I think it was like 26% or something for a three game stretch. Do you go out there and put some other things away and just have guys snapping them balls and shooting them? Is there a way to coach your way or practice your way out of that? And he pretty much said no. You know, I mean, you you, you can't. You have to. You have to. I, if I was Syracuse going into the ACC tournament, I wouldn't let anybody shoot the ball if they weren't three feet from the back. I would drive every freaking time <laughs> I had the ball. I would. They've got three guys that can take it to the hoop. Now, granted, it'd be nice to make more than half of our layups to boot. But I'd rather have that ball up on the rim and have them going to the basket and drawing fouls because they're not a bad foul shooting team than shooting anything because they're terrible shooters. It's a it's a terrible shooting team. I'm but, looking if I'm just looking at this straight numbers wise and I, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around the whole Q1 win. I know that Clemson is a Q1 Bobby, game, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the, so that that's what they need. But if you look at just straight numbers, Baylor and UCLA both have better records than Syracuse, and they're they're true bubble teams right now, correct? So mm-hmm. yep. just looking at it. From a thousand feet in the air, you're up against a lot with two teams that already have better records than you going into this. But you got to look at their whole resume, and I think if Syracuse doesn't get in this year, everybody says, "Oh, they lost to they lost to Wake Forest, they lost to Georgia Tech." I think the thing that I will look back at as a fan that is hurts the most is they held five teams to 60 points or less this year and lost those games. That's what's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Even yeah. Duke. If you go into a year and say, hey, you're going to hold five teams to 60 or less and lose those games, I would have told you were crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, and the other thing to think about, too, is I think that there's been double digits. more. I think out of, what was it 20, how many games now? We're, we're 19 and 9 or something like that or whatever we are. 29 games in. Right. 29, 18 and 11. 20, 29 games in. And I believe that there are over half of the games where we've missed – Two out of every three shots we've taken in the game, and that includes especially three-pointers. When you think about that and you look at at how we've lost those games, if you made two more three-pointers and one more foul shot, we win seven more games this year or something. I mean, it's some crazy number. We've been in so many games. We've, we've lost... You know, under un, under seven points, what seven times or something like that. You know that that's two made three pointers. And we're, there's a couple of games where I, I think the Duke game that just went by, there was combined. Oh, they were combined Duke and Syracuse. O for twenty from three points in the first half. It yeah. was O for twenty. Yeah. you can't try to do that. Yeah. 
It was I could shoot in that game. Twenty. <laughs> I could shoot yeah. in that game with somebody on me. Twenty three pointers and make one for sure. Yeah, I mean, Grayson Allen was getting open looks at the top of the wing, and he just just couldn't hit him. Oh, for twenty four to start. The if game. I told you that two teams at that, if I told you Syracuse was going to go zero for eight or zero for nine, I'd believe it this year from three point range against Duke. But if I told you Duke was going to go zero for eleven from three point range in the whole first half, I'd have bet you whatever you wanted that wasn't going to happen. Sam, I want to ask you one question too on this about your take. Marek Dolajai has proven he can knock down a ten foot jumper in three games this year. He's Got to be more confident with the basketball, right? Am I am I the only one that sees this in the Duke game? He passed up so many open looks. Yeah, but you watch him. Sh- you watch when that happens, Sam. And correct me if I'm wrong. He looks like he's afraid to shoot it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's got to be more confident. Yeah, and I I think sometimes he can be a little hesitant. Bayheim has been very you know effusive in praise that you know he has perfect form on his shots or or he's 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 just dealing with the struggles that Bayheim said are when teams get physical with him. Because, you know, obviously he's six foot nine, but he's 180 pounds. And so early in conference play, we saw teams like get physical, body him a little bit, you know, give him some aggressive box outs or anything like that. And I think against Duke, you saw a return to that because he's, he's succeeded a lot this season and, and he's gotten more confident hitting that jump shot from the elbow. Uh, but why wouldn't but, he be scared if, not, if he did makes one mistake, Bayheim yanks him? No, he's not getting yanked this no, year. No, he's, he's in the last, in the, since he took over for Matt Moyer when he got injured in the BC game. Marek Dolzai has played 34 minutes or more in every game. He's getting burned. Mm. It's just he's not I, – I don't think – I just think he's still getting adjusted and he's still dealing with the physicality of the league. But it's not I even th- a physicality thing. It's like nobody's guarding him. No, you know where I think you would find him excel? You would find him excel if Battle was the one that walked over to him. Do me a favor, shoot the freaking ball a couple of times so they'll lay off me and have to guard yeah. you. Because they know they can focus so much. And I think he's probably the, the the kid that came on the team that's, you know, you're afraid to shoot the ball if you think you're taken out of your guy or your two guys. So Brissett's probably, you know, in the Jordan Pippen kind of scenario, it's Battle, Brissett, and then whoever after. So, uh, and, and then Howard has come around some, you know, later on in the year. But. I don't think there's. I think they're afraid to shoot. Well, listen. The other thing about defending Syracuse, when I see the clock, shot clock get down inside twelve and starts to tick, and Battle has the ball at the top of the key, that's a black hole, man. That ball's not coming out. He's not going to start a rotation. He's dribbling and waiting. He's going to take off and go to the basket or create some type of space for himself and shoot the ball. And everybody in the gym knows it's coming. If he doesn't get that help, if it doesn't come from him to go to a guy like Dolajai and say, "Hey, man." Every once in a while, shoot it up. Shoot it, and it'll take the pressure off me if you're some kind of a, even a threat to shoot. But they're not looking to shoot. we got to take a break. We'll come back and close things out here on the Daniel Baldwin Show. This is ESPN Radio. The Orange women return to Greensboro for the ACC tournament this Thursday. Syracuse and Virginia Tech tip it to Orange pregame 145. Right here on ESPN 97.7. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show, presented by Del Lago Resort and Casino. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it. We're gonna go out of the arena. We're gonna out of the arena sports. Like that's the first time that's ever happened. But I, I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you this story. So P.T. Barnum was the the king of all entertainers. I mean, you know, he, he, the circus traveled, and he was he was the greatest show on earth. And when we look now at what goes on in the world, politically speaking. We have P.T. Barnum as a president right now. I mean, he's got them all fooled with the, the, the Twitter stuff. 
And so in Russia do we have the same situation here. Where do you hear this story? Young men enticed to vote for Vladimir Putin in upcoming Russian election with bizarre video of lingerie-clad models. So I Google this, right? And literally, in order to get an effort for guys to go out, they've got like almost see-through, barely, you know, a, a, a band-aid nice. over their area. I mean, hot, hot chicks who are like kind of moving got slowly and clicking <laughs> with the music. Seriously, and, right. and so guys are flocking to vote, and they're all voting for Putin because he's sponsored. And they really know, I want you to elect me, I need you to elect. There's nothing. There's just like an image of him, and then these hot babes running around for like 30 seconds in and out of swimming pools and like, in tiny little outfits, and the guy's going to win. It's like the, the, Louisville recruiting. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now. Well done. If Rick you hero. don't vote for Rick Putin. Rick Pitino for Russian president, ladies and gentlemen. Don't you die if you don't vote for yes. Putin? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I mean, you know, it, it, it's so, when you watch The Edge, you don't need to speak Russian. You don't need to read Russian. No. You look at the imagery, and then there's the image of him, and it's, you know, vote now, blah, blah, whatever. And you're going... That's it, man, huh? This is how they're going to do it. It's, 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 it's you know... Uh, yeah, you could put up naked chicks dancing and then at the end, guys, go, go slap your mother. I'll go I, slap my mom. I don't know. You, <laughs> you can't say the words, but Putin on the... Putin on the Ritz? Or, yeah, it uh, rhymes with Ritz. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Polly. I love the radio. <laughs> that's, that's, my whole joke. That took a that's, lot of time. It's really... Sam Fortier, Daily Orange, whom we just found out will be joining... The broadcast. Fortier? I, I'm calling you Forte. Yeah, it's Fortier. He it, said. It's yeah. Fortier. My dad gave up. He was like, uh, no one gets the French Canadian pronunciation. Yeah. It's fine. Joining it's Fortier. It I'm saying you're right. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're just more. Fortier. I'm just more. Hey, that's fine. I'm a Swiga County. You're, uh, you're more fancy. <laughs> you're worldly traveled. He'll be joining uh, the ACC broadcast next week down from the ACC tournament. Is your dad true French Canadian like he was born up there? My grandma was, yeah. Wow. So, you, so did you ever exercise your landed immigrant status? Do so you have Canadian citizenship? <laughs> no, I, no, I you don't. can. You know, you're allowed to. You can get I, both passports. <laughs> Daniel's working. Wait, I was gonna say, I, wow. All right, that might be something I have to investigate. Daniel, thank you. Sam, thank you. Oh, he's got the. If you're blue and you <laughs> there you go, Polly. Uh, All right, you thank you, Polly. Oh, Canadian. wow! Great flag. Oh, you got a flag. Yeah, on you're flag. more committed than I am. He really is. <laughs> Brent X is up next. You ever see the Putin ads up in Canada? <laughs> Back tomorrow with ESPN Radio Syracuse. Come, let's mix. We're Rockefellers. Walk with sticks or umbrellas in the midst.